I'm RJ Blakeney, and you're watching the Monarchs Basketball Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. At a game at William & Mary and a home game at JMU, they didn't end how we'd like. But fortunately, we've got a little time for a reset. Get ready for a trip to Hawaii. I'd like to welcome Coach Jeff Jones back to your show, Coach. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you uh, uh, again this evening. Um, you know, not the not the week that uh, we, we, we certainly had hoped for, but... Uh, as you said, we, we've got some time uh, now, and uh, we need to get a reset, and we, we need to figure out you know ways for us to, to, to bounce back and to move forward and, and, and hopefully become the team uh, that we all want us to be. All right, Coach. So we usually go game by game and touch on what went right and what went wrong. But tonight, since last week was what it was, let's just talk about something you've hit on a lot in the last couple of days, screen defense. Um, obviously, it's an issue or has been an issue the last week in guarding the three and uh, in the paint against JMU was a problem. Can you talk to us about that and maybe uh, expand on what you expect to see, how they should defend screens? Well, you know, <laughs> there's different kind of ball screens, all right, different areas of the floor. Uh, there, there are ball screens where you know a big will set the screen and roll to the basket. Um, you, you defend those kind of screens, uh, you know, in, in, in a couple different ways, um, but but that's different than than, than what we faced uh, primarily against uh, Wayman Mary, which was they were picking and popping. So rather than rolling to the basket, they'd set a ball screen and then their four or five man. Uh, would would you know pop to the outside and, and, and shoot a three? There's situations and every year before you ever you know in the preseason before you ever get to the games, you know we we, we have different ways that that you want to uh, screen you know different areas on the floor, different personnel, you know lots of different things. What what's happened with with, with us is that it's a combination of factors. Our guards have not done. Uh, a, a good job of being able to stay in front of the ball, um, and 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 so if we don't really get up and, and you know show hard uh, a hard hedge uh, or blitz, you know just different terminology, um, then our guards have, have really struggled, and, and and the opposition has been able to get into the lane, which causes uh, all kinds of problems. Obviously, somebody can score in there. The, a lot of our fouls are, are have, have happened. We're fouling way too much as a result of that ball getting below the free throw line in ball screen situations. Our bigs have been actually in ball screen situations when we've you know we've blitzed and uh, have have really helped out our guards. And that was most noticeable against Radford. And we really slowed down their guards. Their guards were really the main scorers uh, of, of of their team. Um, what we saw at William and Mary were our bigs trying to help and recover. And, you know, some of it, they, look, the William and Mary guys, you know, hit, hit some, some tough shots, but there wasn't, uh, you know, there were, there were two or three in, in the first half that Williams, uh, the William and Mary 610 center hit that, that there wasn't, uh, uh, the sense of urgency, you know, is like the, you know, the big would do a good job of helping, but then, you know, it, it's all about multiple efforts. You know, if you're going to make one effort and that's it, that, 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 that's not going to be, no matter how you play defense, right. That, that, that's not going to work. We had the film from the game women Mary had played before with, uh, uh, with, uh, Richmond and Richmond had a very immobile center and Williams got several of those. Our guys are much more mobile than, than the, the, the Richmond Center, um, but, but again, we, we just were real slow recovering there. In the second half, uh, we did a little bit better job. They didn't hurt us as much on that, but their, uh, their, their foreman, again, a guy kind of non-traditional, and he just kind of hung around on the outside, and he set some ball screens. And, um, and again, I don't want to name any names, but had a guy that gave up three of them just kind of got lost and, and, and didn't, you know, didn't do what we had talked about coming in, into the game. 
you know, and that, that three, that's, that's nine points, you know, right there. But the first half, we, we weren't terrific in that game um, in the ball screen, you know, but uh, the second half, it was, it was just a complete uh, failure uh, in, in, in that regard. And then you throw in a couple of those back-breaking uh, back doors where, you know, one of our guys gets beat twice just because he just relaxes when he's not on the ball. And, you know, it just, it, it just made for, uh, you know, you, you work so hard, you prepare so hard and those, when you make those mistakes, it's just deflating against James Madison. They didn't do anything that we didn't anticipate. It's just, we wanted to get out cause green and, and, and the guys primarily green, had been very successful in, in their previous games, you know, using the ball screens to, to score. And so we wanted to get after him, but, they, you know, he did a great job of handling the pressure there and finding uh, either Bickerstaff, their big man who set the ball screen on, on what we call a short roll, which, you know, not rolling all the way to the basket, but kind of centering eight feet or so uh, under the ball screen, throwing a skip to the corner to shoot the three. And what we saw in, in that first half, and we just, we were so afraid of our man getting the three, we didn't stay at home. And so they were throwing it right down the middle. Green did a really nice job of, of hanging on to it. He wasn't affected by the the, the pressure at, at all. And and he just threaded the needle and, and Bickerstaff, you know, just, uh, again, we didn't put up much resistance. I mean, I think he ended up nine for 12 and he didn't have to work for, you know, may, maybe, but but two of those. I don't mean to be too technical, you know, in going through this, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's just a failure kind of to, to do our jobs. And even if you're there in the right spot, then you got to make the play. You know, you can't just be there. They're not going to stop because you're in the right play. And, and we, we just were, I think their offensive efficiency was something like one, 1.31 1 points per possession in, in that first half, you know, and that's way, way more than that national average. They got 50 points so in, in the first half. So obviously we, we did a bad job. What, what we've got to do and what we talked about off air is, is as coaches is we, we just got to simplify it. So guys aren't having to think, um, not that we're thinking correctly, but just we've got to be more aggressive. At, at the very least in the second half, we went to the smaller lineup and you know there were some blown coverages there, but it, it, at least... Our, our guys guys played with you know some aggressive uh, aggression, really really hustled. I mean that that's got to be a starting point. Um, so uh, again, I, I apologize if I'm I'm being too too technical. I'm envisioning these plays as as, as I'm talking, and um, we've just got to allow our guys to to say okay, we're going to do this and be aggressive, and we're going to make some mistakes, but uh, hopefully the the, the mistakes are uh, uh, of, of, of being aggressive than, than sitting back on our heels and, and just letting, letting teams come at us because that, that, that's, that's clearly not working. Yeah, Coach, first off, no need to ever apologize about being technical. That's what we're asking you. And believe it or not, I know Kieran didn't believe us in some of the things we said, but the fans really actually enjoy that part uh, of learning that. So you mentioned simplifying things to free up the players to think less play faster play more aggressively when you say simplify it i know that you and your staff had intense meetings the last day or so how do you simplify it how do you do that um so so less situational right um you know talking about personnel and uh, uh you know matchups based on scouting reports or uh, spots on the floor. That's all stuff, right? For the last 10 years, that's been part of the package, right? Um, when you've got guys like Denzel Taylor or Aaron Carver or uh, uh, Ahmad Caver, um, Randy Hain, you know, the, all, all, all these guys, Jalen Hunter was, was a terrific de- defender. You can do some things. Makai Long, you could do a lot of different things. That's not working for this group. And uh, again, you know, the, the, the amount of repetitions and, and film and everything just didn't seem to, we weren't reaching, we, we haven't been reaching. So we've, we've got to just say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, 
that might not be the perfect call, right? And a defensive coordinator. It's like if, if you're, you're trying to dial up the exact right call and maybe do exotic blitzes or do, you know, cover. We can't do that. Not with this group, not now. And we've got to decide, okay, what big picture, what's going to be best for us? What fits our, 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 our personnel? And let's, let's, let's do this, you know? Um, the other thing is we, we haven't been changing our defenses a lot because the same guys that are struggling to, to think and catch on with the, the defensive principles that, that, that we hold dear um, have struggled with learning, you know, the zone. We're going to, you know, people are just getting in too much of a rhythm. So we're going to have to change defenses and, and, and maybe, you know, some of them aren't good, but maybe at least changes the rhythm of the game. You know, and, and again, that that kind of falls on us to 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 do that. We've got to make some uh, decisions as coaches. Uh, then then we've got to coach them up, and, and and hopefully the guys will buy in and you know understand the the importance. You know, we can't keep trying to do the same thing because it just wasn't working. Right? We've got to get this reset. We've got to focus on ourselves. I'll have film tomorrow on TCU, and we can look at that. But right now, our guys. They got their exams, and, and we got to work on ODU, uh, and we got to just let guys hopefully play more confident, more aggressively. It's not easy for for me. We're going to make some mistakes, but let's look. If we're if we're going to go down, let's go down fighting. You know, let's let's be aggressive. Let's let let's compete. Um, anything's got to be better than what you know what it was defensively in in that first half against James Madison. All right, so. Obviously, we talked about screening and making it more simple. Now, when, when you uh, say that, when you say that, so that it's ball screens, right? Specifically, yeah. ball screens yeah. has, has been an, an issue for us. A big part of de- defending the screen is communication. How how has the team communication been on the floor? That <laughs> that's uh, uh, one of the kind of the the three prong. Number one, we we got to play, you know, more aggressively. Number two, we've got to have better communication. And number three, we've we've got to um, uh, we've got to be ready to help the helper, and so the communication will be important. So if uh, let's say the decision is made that one through four, right, we're gonna rather than messing with all the rotations and everything, one through four, we're just gonna we're gonna switch ball screens. Well, um, if you're gonna switch ball screens like that, you got to communicate. You got to call it early. The guy guarding the ball isn't the one that calls it. The guy guarding the screener is the one because he can see the, the the screen coming, right? So you got to call it early and you got to call it loud. We we went to switching all or, or, or most um, uh, ball screens in, in the second half against James Madison. That it ended up they they got a couple. You know, Emo got buried by their, their a big, and uh, I think Bryce got buried by a big, but. Um, at, at least they, you know, they weren't wide, wide open stuff, but so we will have to work on that. But the communication is, is, is huge. If, if we're going to specifically do, do that, uh, our, we, we've got too much ball watching and, and not enough talking, um, you know, in, in these, uh, in, in these situations. All right, coach. So you talked a little bit on Scott Jackson's show about not having a very high assist rate. Some of it was dealing with poor shooting. Some of it was pounding the ball too much. I assume that's one of the things that in your meetings you're talking about and that you've got to make some adjustments. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? We can't take um, as many tough shots, right? And, you know, this is too much one-on-one, too much pounding the ball. And when I do drive in and do a good job of, of, of drawing multiple defenders, right, it's it's my job to to find the open shooters. Bryce hasn't been playing great, you know, and but but yeah, I thought he showed a spark in the first time in seemingly like a month. He stuck his nose in there and you know got did some of the dirty work and got some loose balls and 50-50 balls and, and rebound. That was a, a really good sign for for me because we we need offensively we need him out there on the, the court as a floor spacer. Vashon or Chauncey or Emo or any of those guys tie, you know, if, if they're not finding him, like why, what good is he doing out there if he's open, spotted up in the corner? We got to get him the basketball. 
he needs, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play from game to game. He's going to be in that 20-minute mark somewhere. He needs to get up between four and eight threes. If he's going to do that, those guys, they can't be so consumed with, you know, attacking themselves. They got to get their heads up. And I think when when we make those plays, Devin's another guy. If, if somebody's going, you know, Devin's a guy that, you know, he, he can knock down that, that three as, as well. If Vashawn's driving and, and Chauncey's spotted up, you know, we don't have to make all these hard plays all, all the time. Um, if, if, if we, you know, do a better job of playing together, make this simple play, right, I think that assist rate will, will go up. When you're shooting, not a great percentage, but you're taking really tough guarded twos all the time, you know, that's, that, that's, that's not the way to be efficient offensively. There, there are times, and, you know, every team, I mean, you, you, you see in any of these, these teams we played in the, the, the last few weeks, you know, there, there's times when uh, Terrence Edwards, you know, had to make a play and when he went one-on-one as, as the clock's going down. If that's like every possession, that's not a good thing. And we need to shoot it a little bit better. We need, you know, if, if, if guys aren't shooting a good percentage from the three-point line and are, you know, and are wide open, I, you know, I, again, it's on me to deliver the message and make sure the message is understood. But sometimes, you know, the reality is if you're wide open, that, that might be for a reason. You know, maybe, maybe you need to turn, turn down that, that, that three-point shot. And, and, you know, figure out a way that you can do something to get someone else a shot. I, I want to make sure that our guards and, uh, you know, e- Emo really is the only guy uh, that really is, is a true point guard, right? Vashon is a scoring guard. Chauncey is a scoring guard. Scoring guard. Um, but, but we've got to have more guys thinking in terms of how can I get Bryce a shot? How can I get right? Somebody else, a, a, a shot. Um, you know, there are, there absolutely are times when it's like, I got to go, you know, I got to attack. I've got to, I've got to get a bucket here. But again, the percentage of those plays, right? It's, it's just too hard if you're doing it over and over and over sharing the basketball and making, right. Making easy plays is, uh, is, is a way to, uh, to make hopefully our, our shooting percentage go up, but certainly the assist, uh, the, the assist uh, uh, total to, to, to increase. All right. So my follow-up to that earlier in the season, I asked you about green light, red light shooting for threes. Uh, you gave us one name on who had a red light from three. Has that group increased? Is that what you're saying? Uh, one guy that had a green light. Uh, the, earlier in the season, you had one guy with a red light that he should never shoot threes. Um, you know, I, never is a lot. And, 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 and again, so much of basketball, right? It, every, it would be easy if it was black and white, right? Basketball is not black and white. Basketball is in the gray situationally because the shot clock affects it. The score affects whether it's something's a good shot. What's happened in the last three possessions might be if we've scored three straight possessions, then then maybe we, we get one and you know may, maybe I, I I do you know let, let let the three fly quickly. If the ball, whether it's been driven into the lane and kicked out, whether the ball has been thrown into the lane and kicked out, you know Jason Wade made a great a great basketball play. I think it was in the in, in the first half. You know we didn't make many of them. But he got the ball into the lane and kicked it out for the three, right? That inside-out action that that makes it so much easier to shoot the basketball. So I, you know, the, the 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 red light. I don't know that anybody really has a a hundred percent red light. I mean, Leroy, you know, does. But we got to be smarter. We can't just jack it up. And we we sure as hell, you know, if we're struggling on the defensive end, we don't want to come come down and make one pass and take the first semi-open three you you can play aggressively right and you you can be in attack mode and have some sense about what's what's a good shot a good good shot a smart shot actually is probably the better word right because it's not just about if you're open 
And again, I, I go back to what I said a couple minutes ago. If you find yourself open sometimes, right, or a lot of the time, it's probably for a reason. The defense is, is, is basically saying, you're not going to beat us from there, and they've done their scouting report. That actually leads right into my question, Coach. So lately it seems like the, the defense is kind of just clogging up the lane. They're not really extending out to, say, Ty and Jay Wade, okay? Now, is this something that is remedied by those guys hitting those shots at a higher rate, or schematically we've got to just do something? It makes it particularly difficult if Ty is just not knocking down shots because they're going to back off of, of Wade. And Wade, you know, he's reluctant to take those. Sometimes he kind of feels like he, he has to. Um Jason's minutes with, with Dorico no longer being with the team, Jason's minutes are going to probably come more as a small ball five. And, you know, we'll have three guys kind of rotating in there. I, I think it might be a little bit easier for, for him um, uh, as, as a five, you know, and, and, and kind of just get, get out of the way. And, the, the, you know, the, the five man's going to be in, in the lane anyway. With Ty in, in, in particular, they're packing the lane, you know, with with, with him. Um, and uh, again, we're we're looking to, you know, tweak some things. And we we had all these high hopes that this four out, you know, spread kind of flow. And it's not the personnel in terms of the skill level, really. It's just we, the the understanding hasn't come, you know, in, in the way. You know, we haven't been able to get the teaching points across. So we've got to figure out, right, how can we create some some really simple actions, get one of our, our playmakers, get Chauncey going downhill, get LaShawn going downhill, not not just to score, right? If those guys are just going to try to score every time, then you know, then then ultimately we're going to be dead in the water. They they have to become better playmakers for their teammates. But if we can get them going downhill, does that loosen things up and give us a better chance really looking to simplify some things and uh, again not not relying on guys to to recognize situations because it's it just it's it's, it's not going to happen right and and so we we got to kind of we've got to create the spacing right we've got to create the, the the put guys in spots and then just say go and kind of reduce it to the to to its simplest form. All right, coach. So you said Jason Wade at the five, small man five. Anyone who's watched ODU basketball since you've coached here can remember Aaron Carver or Denzel Taylor being a big part of the offense by standing near the top of the key or the free throw line and kind of being a pick and roll guy, but also a distributor of the ball. Is that something we should expect to see from Jason moving forward? No, those, those guys were four men. They weren't scorers, uh, but they, they, they were, uh, uh, they were good passers. We're not running a particular action that we did with, with them there. Uh, you know, as we called it four dribble, um, use the, those guys as, as, uh, the reversal men and, and passers. And that also put them in that situation because when the shot went up, they they were elite. They they were nationally elite offensive rebounders, right? Now Denzel, I think, three of his four years, maybe he was in the top ten in the country in offensive rebounds. That was more as a four man. Hopefully, RJ can can figure some of this this out. Makai was another guy that was similar to to Denzel in getting on the offensive boards. You know, RJ has that kind of uh, has has that kind of length and and, and athleticism. Um, we're, we're hoping, you know, again, through simplifying this stuff, again, rather than, than trying to remember where he's going to be, right, is just keep it simple. If you're open, shoot the ball. If, 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 if somebody else shoots it, go get it off the boards. You know, again, really trying to keep it simple for, for RJ so he can, can attack. Rather than making decisions, just – Put the ball in the basket, or, or go go get it, and, and, and you know give us a, another chance. 
in the post-game presser, I can't remember who had asked you, but it was a question with regards to Leroy not getting in the game, and you had said, hey, based upon what JMU was doing and how they were doing it, it just wasn't a good opportunity. No, and that, that would have been just a that – would, that wouldn't have been fair to, to, to Leroy. Going forward, you know, uh, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll be playing more teams with, with true five men, true centers. And I think that that'll be a little bit more favorable for Leroy. We we definitely need to between Danny, Jason, and, and Leroy. Right? Um, I, I don't know the breakup of minutes, but Leroy has to be. You know, he gives us something a little bit different. Um, and if he can come in and be aggressive, and you know, he's more of a shot blocker, he'll have to you know make some some contributions there. All right. So uh, I guess we should talk about it briefly. Before Saturday's game, it was announced that Dorico was suspended or kicked off the team. But today on Scott Jackson's show, you made sure to – you made it clear that you guys were supporting him and finishing his degree. I'd like to – do you have any other things to add to that? It was a really hard thing. It was it was a hard decision to, to come to. Um, uh, it's, you know, I, I hate it for Dorico. I hate it for the team. Sometimes there's 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 decisions that, that you've got to make that are that are difficult, um, but but absolutely you know we, we want to make sure that you know we do everything we, we can to support Dorico moving forward. Uh, obviously, uh, trying to make sure that, that he you know uh, is able to fulfill his, his degree re- requirements, um, and and then you know move move on to you know with with, with his life. We want the best for for Dorico. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing. It's, it's, it's sad actually that it, it didn't work out. Hopefully he can get squared away and be successful in his, his future endeavors. All right, coach. So, so far it's, it's been a pretty challenging schedule and I think we'd all agree that, you know, we're not very good right now, but Mike and I have talked and we know that the team has got great potential to get there. Share your thoughts on where you think you guys are right now, but more importantly, where you think you guys can be, and at what point in the seasons, like what's important to you? Well, right, right now, um, you know, obviously with exams, and, and that's, you know, that's that's a, a challenging time for the guys. But you know, we're we're at a point where we we need a reset, right? We we. we uh, obviously, you know James Madison's just really good, and we we weren't anywhere near ready to to compete with with them. We'll have them on the schedule two more times, and, and hopefully we'll be better prepared to to play them those times, and at least be competitive, right? Um, we've had a, a you know a, a rough schedule. I mean, it's 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 been a challenging schedule, um, and it's not getting any easier. I want to make sure that sometimes you look at the record, right? And sometimes, you know, how a team playing isn't reflective of, of the record. You know, prior to the William & Mary game, well, uh, Northeastern, but that was a whole different set of circumstances. But, you know, I don't know that we were playing great, but we weren't that far off in, in other games, right? And, and we were able to, you know, we, you play a Princeton team and they were just better than us, but that was a learning opportunity. Two good wins at home against Drexel and, and, and Radford, where we had to play really hard and hang in there. But you know, playing at Arkansas, Ball State's not a great team, but they're a veteran team. You know, on the road, our first road game of the year, we we had the lead with what a minute and a half to go, something like that. You're not playing to keep it close. That, that's not what I'm saying. But we had potential there. I thought. The women Mary game was our our disappointment, you know, and we've got to make sure that going through this adversity, going through tough times, that we 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 get closer together and, and we don't allow ourselves to be, you know, sucked into the the woe is me. We need the the reset right now to say, okay, um, our, our record's not, you know, our, our record's not good. Let, let's not even worry about the record right now. Let's just be better, right? It's the process and making sure that we're doing everything that we can, you know, with the things that we can control to be better. 
Uh, and if we do that, then we'll be more competitive and then, you know, ultimately give our, ourselves a chance to win. Um, obviously, we're, we're going out to Hawaii here in a little bit. We play TCU is a really, really good team. I, I think we can be ready. We can be more competitive. You know, and once you get into the game, if you're competing and you're not beating yourself and we can tie some of these areas, who knows what can happen in, in some of these games. But between now, today's the 11th, is that right? And the 30th of December, right? That's that. That's when we play, I think you guys said earlier, South Alabama. Is that right? That's right. Our, our yes, first sir. conference game. We got to make some hay, right? We we got to get better. That's what's got to be the non-conference game. You want to win as many of them as you can. Hell, I want to win them all. But more importantly, is can we get ourselves ready? Can we stick together, right? And again, not not have a pity party, right? Can we stick together and get to the point when we start conference play that we're a lot better team then than we are right now? Are we a team that's more together then than we are right now? Are we a team that has earned the right to have a little bit of confidence, right, than we are right now? All of those things need need to happen for us. And the, they only happen by working your tails off and by sticking together. That's, that, that's the only way to do it. Um, there is no magic wand. These same kind of things, and I don't know what their issues are. I, I, I have no idea. I've got enough to worry about, about 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 our own team. But Tom Izzo is a Hall of Fame coach. Michigan State's having a lot of these same conversations about we got to get better, right? And the only way you get better is sticking together. You don't get better by going, you know, having 13 guys pulling 13 different ways, right? St. John's, another Hall of Fame coach, and, and, and Rick Patino, they're out of the gates. They got a whole lot of new guys there. Right, I heard Patino talk about how bad they are defensively. Like that sounds familiar. We're not the Lone Rangers here. That doesn't make me feel any better. We can do this. One of the things I'm tomorrow we'll be able to go uh, for the first time on the court since Saturday. I haven't given up on any of the players. Right, I haven't given up on on this team. Um, I don't want them giving up on themselves. We can do it. it. Just because we say we can do it doesn't mean it's going to happen. We have to make it happen. This is something that, that we can do. And I, I think we can, we can become, you know, a good basketball team. But, it's, you know, nothing is accomplished. Nothing's worth accomplishing without a lot of hard work. And hard work side by side, pulling in the same direction with, with, your, with your teammates, with your brothers. That's, that, that's how you can, you, you can accomplish something uh, meaningful. And that's what we've got to do. That's the challenge in, in front of us, right? And again, I, I've referenced, you know, the, the whole, whole uh, woe is me, right? Nobody's feeling sorry for us. We don't, we don't need that. We shouldn't want that, right? But what, what we've got to understand is this is where we are. Let's, let's be self-aware. Let's face it, right? And let's, let's, get, our, our, let's, let's get better. All right, so you mentioned it next week, uh, trip to Hawaii. I've got some tough teams in this tournament. I know you haven't looked at the tape much, and you're mostly focused on what we need to change. But what are the things that you are kind of highlighting as things you want to see in this tournament? Um, I want us to play our butts off. I want us to, 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 to through our actions, not our words, through our actions, show how much we care, how much we care about one another, right? That's the first thing. I, I want us to have some some fun, right? And, uh, you know, I'm going through all these things just a second ago saying we got to do this, you know. Um, but, but for me, right, this is where sometimes, you know, I'm the, the old school guy and, and then the young guys. But for me, I'm trying to get these guys to understand how much fun it is, right, to come together as, as a team where, you know, no, no individual is bigger than the group and that everybody, I keep talking about, you know, put, putting our, our, our shoulders in the, in, in the yoke and we're all pulling in the, in the same direction. Hell, that's fun. 
right? When you work really, really, really hard and you really, really, really want something and you're able to, to, to make it happen, right? And you're able to see, and it doesn't happen overnight. You're able to see from one day to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And then you look and say, damn, we've gotten better. That's fun. Fun doesn't have to be easy, right? Fun can be hard. Sometimes hard is great. I want us to, you know, just to go out there and, 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 and have fun and compete like crazy um, and, and build some confidence. Um, obviously, we like to win some games. Yeah, three would be great. Two would be pretty good. One, not not so much. You go, go out there and if you're worrying so much about winning and losing, right, and you're constantly checking the scoreboard, sometimes that can can uh, d- diminish or, or hold hold your progress back, right? The process that that can be fun. I mean, that, that's why I love practice so much, and I know I'm different that that way. You know, and, and most people aren't like that, but but I I love you know, putting in the work and, and, and having 13 individuals, right, become a team, become a unit and being being better, right, and, and caring, right, caring about the group, caring about the guy to my right, the guy to my left, as much as I care about myself, right? That's a special feeling. That's fun. I want our guys to be able to experience that. Well, damn, Coach, I'm having flashbacks to 1997 when I went down to Pensacola to Officer Candidate School and my Marine Corps <laughs> drill instructor, Gunnery Sergeant Crouch, United States Marine Corps, just beat the hell out of, started with 50-something of us. We ended up with about 40 of us, but the process was oftentimes painful and not fun until weeks later, we figured out exactly what we had done together and it, it really is an amazing journey that you sometimes don't realize until you're a little further down the line. But I know exactly what you're talking about there, and, and I know you guys can get there. And it's an experience you'll never forget, right? <laughs> oh, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, and some of my, my closest, closest, I, I won't even call them friends, family, are from the bonds that I made during those 13 weeks, a very short period in your life. But I had the strongest bond with those guys. And, you know, we might be apart for 10 years. We come together and it's just like you picked up yesterday. And I would imagine the locker room is the same exact way with what um, bringing those teams together and what they go through. You mentioned a couple minutes ago about guys like coach Izzo and coach Patino and a whole lot of whole lot of new guys and kind of some of the challenges that they have and the struggles that they have uh, at, at times. So I know one of uh, a guy that you coached against a lot in uh, in the nineties while he was at Clemson uh, coach Cliff Ellis just retired last week as he was the, the winningest active college basketball coach, I believe I know that you guys battled against each other a lot. You've uh, any thoughts on on his retirement? Um, you know, it, it it caught me by surprise happening now. I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had retired last spring or, or next spring. But um, the fact that it happened now, but um, you know, Cliff and 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 you know, we 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 all in the coaching profession, we we compete so hard against one another with your teams and recruiting. You're always, you're always trying to beat the the other guy, but, um, and I think there's there's less camaraderie now, and, and and I I we don't have time, and I'm not sure I have a really good answer as to why that that is. I, I think I've I've got some ideas, and it has to do with media coverage and money and and stuff like that. But the the coaching profession is is. Uh, very close. Cliff is a guy that that I've known a long time and he's just a terrific guy. I mean, I I really, really like Cliff. I respect him. Um, Certainly wish him the the, the very, very best uh, in in, in his retirement. I saw him uh, twice in the spring. I saw him at our uh, Sunbelt meetings. 
Um, and then I saw him, uh, uh, we had dinner, uh, I, I kind of hosted, uh, the, the night before Terry Holland, uh, had his memorial, uh, service, um, and, uh, when, when he passed away back in, down in Charlottesville, uh, a, a lot of former teammates of mine and coaches and all that, we, we all got together and, uh, Cliff and I, uh, and our wives, sat together and, you know, just really enjoyed spending time and, and, and talking about some of the the old games and the, the, the memories and all that kind of stuff. He's just a good guy, and I'm happy he, he got out when he wanted to. Obviously, just wish him the, the, the very, very best. I'm sure he's probably going to be, you know, I don't know if he's going to get, get going with his band. He, he, he was a, 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 a big singer, very good singer. He's recorded albums and uh, I think he's a good dancer. He, he does the shag really, really well. So uh, hopefully he'll he'll enjoy all that. He and Carolyn down at their uh, their their beach house. Man, that would have been. Uh, we oftentimes ask the players if there's someone on the team that has a hidden talent that Monarch Nation wouldn't know about. That would have been a a great question there. We didn't we didn't know, and I think I think you're probably right that you know it, it was the right time for him. I I know that. Uh, I've read that people th- seem to think that he was an even, you know, better human being than than a coach, and I think that speaks loudly. Uh, on his way out, he was quoted as, "I don't feel like I'm a coach anymore. I feel like I'm a general manager. I need a draft board in my <laughs> office." And I think that probably goes along with what you're talking about. Is just so many new guys and so much. You got to have so many different challenges than you have you know, had as a coach 10 years ago? Oh, gosh. I've been a head coach for 32 years. The The amount of stuff that you're responsible for now versus back then, it's crazy. One day I always joke around and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book. But, and I I don't really like coaches' books that, that, that much. You know, it's like they're too self-absorbed or, or whatever oftentimes. But the business then and the business now, I mean, night and day doesn't do justice. It's my goodness. And, and, and then it's just accelerated in the last, you know, 10, 10 years. I mean, it's just, you know, it's on, it's on steroids, changes on steroids. And I don't think that's, that, that's slowing down anytime soon. I mean, we don't have time to talk about Charlie Baker's uh, letter and, and the new proposal, but man, that's going to change everything. And, there's more lawsuits uh, that the NCAA is having to face. And I've had uh, uh, a number of times when I've gotten really, really frustrated and angry with the, the NCAA. I think the general public, though, it's, it's like they just blame the NCAA for everything. They're certainly culpable for, for, for a lot. And you know, I think in, in, in some of the recent years, some of the leadership has been lacking. The lawsuits, the legal system, um, just the, the, the change in, in the world, it's a whole, it's a whole new ballgame. There's a bunch of us, you know, that, that aren't real comfortable with it. I will say this, and I'm, I'm not against the players, the student-athletes, Hey, if, if people can can make money in their situation, hey, more power to them, you know. But I would go back, right, uh, and and do what I did as a, a 17, 18 year old kid at the University of Virginia. We didn't have cost of attendance. We didn't have all, you know a lot of the stuff that they got now. Heck, we didn't even have an academic advisor back back then. I mean, somebody you know told you where to go and sign up on classes. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Right. It's it, I, I just don't know if there's the appreciation now for the experience um, that 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 we had back back then. And anytime money and power and fame get gets mi- into the mix. Right. That changes so much. And right now, money and power and fame seem to be the driving force uh, almost. It's fine. I don't begrudge anybody for, but but I, I I wish there was still some of this that having the chance to play college basketball. 
a, a game that, that we all love, you know, with guys presumably that, that you like being around and doing something like that and trying to accomplish something. And I think it's a pretty special thing my, myself, but I think some of that is, is missing. And I think that's kind of one of the things that, that Cliff was referring to. All right, coach. There's a lot to unpack there with all of that, especially if you go through the timeline of what's kind of led to this point in college sports, especially like the TV money and all that, and the coaches' salaries, and uh, it's all kind of gone crazy. I'd like to end this on uh, something like maybe a little off topic. So uh, we know you're a big baseball fan, and there was huge baseball news this weekend. Shohei Otani, maybe the best player in baseball, signs for a $700 million deal with the Dodgers. I think they said he's deferring all but $20 million of it till 2034. Wow. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's a huge number, but I, I heard today the the best argument that he that, that he's worth it, and he might have even been worth more. I don't I think they left some money on the table, but he's the best hitter, right, in baseball. So if you look uh, what 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 did uh, one one Soto just sign for? Per year, 30 something, right? 34, 35, something like that. All right. So take take that. And Otani be, before he hurt his, his his elbow again. And I know there's some, you know, there's some that wonder whether he can come back. This is the second uh surgery that he's had on, on that elbow. But if he comes back, all right, Garrett Cole is is making how how much it's 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 30 something also. So just combine those those two. I mean, you got the best hitter and the best pitcher, seventy million. When you say that, I, I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but but maybe that's that's the fair market value, right? Do do, do I think that as society we're all screwed up? Heck yeah, absolutely. That might end up being a a, a, a bargain for uh, for for the Dodgers. You know, and then Soto going to the Yankees. That just I'm I'm a big Nats fan, and uh, I, I I loved Soto. I mean, his his you know his playfulness and and obviously his his talent, but his his exuberance for the game and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I hated to see him go to San Diego, and I just I'm afraid that uh, being up there in in uh, the Big Apple, hopefully that doesn't spoil spoil him. I, I don't know if it spoils the right word, but kind of take away from, from some of that fresh, he just seemingly had, had fun playing the game and, and was a lot of fun for, for me to watch and cheer for as, as a Nats fan. But uh, he got a pretty good, pretty good deal. And in, in, in knowing that, uh, what, in, in one year, he's going to hit free agency. I'm sure he'll, he'll be doing just fine. You know, I was just thinking about that big number. You're making a pretty compelling argument that Otani's deal is, you know, a good one, it saves a roster spot too. So it gives you even more flexibility. Yeah. Man, I wish I had that many skills <laughs> to be that valuable to somebody. <laughs> what would you what would you do with all that money? What would you do? I know, Aaron, you you give it away. You 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 give a lot of it away to, to charity and you know You know, I, I I certainly would give some to ODAF and to the uh, pride of ODU, but I'd get Mike and I some better seats. We, I mean, we love where our seats are, but we would sit wherever the hell we want to in that place. And maybe maybe we would buy the seats behind us. We could pull one out so Mike would have more room for his knees. That's what. That's where I would Well, start. you know, I mean, you, you, you guys are, you know, very, uh, very much a, a, a part of our, our program now. I know somebody that can, can help you get some closer seats. If, if 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 that really is is a concern, we can we can work something out. I have been test driving seats all around the TED for years now, and I think I finally like last year I finally found the perfect seat for me, and it's right where we're at. We're right next to the bench. We get to see all the action, but I have the most leg room I'm going to find in the TED. Leg room is a problem there. They need to take a row out and re 
reallocate how their rows are just to give us tall guys a little bit extra room. I'll make sure the next time I, I see Mike Freiling, I will make sure to, to, to make a point to him about, you know, adjusting the, the depth of, of the seats. At, on Saturday, there was someone at the game with Bruce Hornsby. I talked to him briefly, and he was talking about how he couldn't – he was just so much in pain from having to sit where he was sitting. Well, Bruce was in the front row, so directly – whoever was with him uh, was taller than Bruce, and Bruce is a tall guy. Right. So um, well, how about, I, feel, I felt his pain immediately. Speak, speaking of Bruce um, – you know, obviously he he was at our game, and then I, I heard that he made an appearance, maybe at the Hampton Coliseum that night. He, he did. He played with Goose. He did. Yeah. I, I was at the Goose show on Friday, so I didn't get to see it, but they played his uh, big hit together, and I got to hear it today, and they really did a great job with it, and the crowd loved it. So always good to see him back playing in Hampton Roads. Yep, great. An, an, another good, good, good guy. Fame hasn't gotten to uh, gone gone to his head. He, he seemingly is the same guy that I, I met. Gosh, back in nineteen ninety, maybe. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun talking to him over the years, but it's always cool to see him out at the TED. And um, I think this is a good place to end it, Coach. I'm not sure when we're going to talk next, but we're wishing you guys a smooth transition to this simplified basketball <laughs> and the best of luck in Hawaii. Um, hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to, 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 to you guys and, and everybody that uh, listens. We're going to work hard to, to try to get better. I mean, that's, that's as simple as I, I can say it. It's a challenge, but it's, it's exciting, you know, uh, and uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep plugging away. All right. Thanks again, coach. And go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.